This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Today on CityCast Madison. The producers of CityCast Madison are rounding up the news this Friday. We're talking about a Madison Alder who's been targeted with homophobic graffiti outside his downtown home. Also, Governor Tony Evers is putting meningitis on notice, but some Republican lawmakers want to block a new rule that would mandate vaccines for seventh graders. And should TikTok be banned? Wisconsin politicians on both sides of the aisle are saying, yep, yup. It's Friday, March 10th. I'm Dylan Brogan, and here's what Madison's talking about. It's the Great Friday Roundup, and we have Molly Stentz with us. And it's just us. Where's Bianca? I know. Bianca's been out sick. Yeah, she kind of lost her voice, which is a big problem when you need to talk for a living. So it's it's the producer crew, city cast yes, producers. Yes, Bianca, Bianca gets well soon. Yep, so it's just us, the other two-thirds of the... Madison CityCast team with you today. Did anything happen this week? Something happened this weekend uh, having to do with local elections. It's kind of shocking to me. We don't we don't see this kind of thing in city council races very often. This was story was on WKOW, Tony Galley, longtime Madison reporter. Everybody should know who Tony Galley is. He did a story about how there was some graffiti all over District 4, which is a downtown that was targeting a longtime alder, Mike Verveer. And this, I mean, 26 buildings is a lot. They also were, you know, uh, making some really hateful a- accusations against this alder who has been on the council for 20 years, more than that. Did you see it? I did see it over the weekend, right outside his house all, and all these buildings, right by his where he lives. It's by Wart, right? By the radio station? Yeah, right by Wart. So what was it, though? The gist of it was, uh, or the one I saw was like, don't vote for pedo, Mike Verveer. Wow. And that was wow. all over downtown. That's crazy. I feel like that doesn't typically happen in local government races like outright inflammatory derogatory slurs mike revere put out a statement he said homophobia has no place in our city you know i'm deeply saddened by this hateful attack on me and i know madisonians will see it for what it is a vile expression of ignorance and prejudice it's creepy that it was outside of his house seems very personal Yes. Well, and also it was saying don't vote for him. It had directly to do with the election. That seems sus. What's the what's his opponent saying? Well, he also put out a statement. His name is Max Laubenstein. He's a UW student, and there are a lot of students that live in that district, too. He said, I am familiar with past accusations against Alder Verveer of unethical conduct, but this is the first I've heard of such severity. While others may investigate further... 
I plan to continue my energy on connecting with my neighbors and building a positive future for Madison. That's weird. Pretty cold. Usually, you know, someone puts up hateful graffiti. You don't take that as the, the truth. It feels like a new, I don't know, it feels like a new low for Madison politics. Like people can agree to disagree. We usually like primaries. We like a good, robust exchange of ideas. But like uh, putting up hateful graffiti outside of an alderman's home all over town. Uh-uh. So the graffiti got taken down, right? A lot of it did, yes. The cops, are they like doing anything? They're looking at cameras and stuff. Man. Now I'm just feeling sad about Madison politics. Well, if people want to know more there, WKOW is the only one who's done a story on it so far. Reporter Tony Galley, he's kind of an old school Madison TV reporter. And I, that, I, like, I like old school Madison TV reporters. Can I tell you my funny Tony Galley story? Yeah. Okay, so Tony Galley, it's the height of the 2020 protests in Madison. It was one of those nights when the police were in confrontation with protesters, and there was just a lot happening downtown. I'm walking to State Street, and there's literally a cloud of tear gas, right? And then out of nowhere, just like this guy in a suit starts coming out from the from the fog of the tear gas. Like, it's it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and there's just tear gas everywhere. And there's just Tony Galley waving, how you doing, Dylan? Having a good day? Anyway, that's my funny Tony Galley story. Tony Galley. He goes where the graffiti and the tear gas is. I'll remember it forever. So what caught your eye in the news this week, Molly? Well, all righty. So something that's been on my mind is that anti-vaxxers have something new to be mad about, and that's meningitis vaccines, right? So Evers administration rolled out these new public health rules and meningitis vaccines are now required for seventh graders, right? They used to just be a good idea recommendation, but now you got to have them to be in, in school. So Dr. Ryan Westergaard, right? State's chief medical officer. He was at the Capitol this week getting grilled by lawmakers. So Westergaard, this is the guy that led the state's COVID response, the medical informed uh, perspective about it, right? He's got this doctorate, medical doctor, PhD in public health from John Hopkins, the whole thing, right? And he's being called Wisconsin's Dr. Fauci by Steve Nass, right? And not in a good way. He did mean that as an insult, right? So he's 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 testifying about these new rules, right? So you got to get this meningitis shot. The other thing they're doing is that you have to have a doctor's note to get an exemption from the chickenpox vaccine. It used to just be that basically, you know, parents could say, hey, look, my kid already had chickenpox. I don't need to get the vaccine. I got immunity. It's all good. Sign the little waiver. And now they're like, eh, that's not enough. We actually want to see that you went to a doctor and a doctor actually says, yeah, you have immunity. Like, your word ain't good enough, parents. So those are two things the Evers administration rolled out that are getting some pushback. So there's this lobby group. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It has kind of a funny acronym. <laughs> Wisconsin woof. United for Freedom. Or WUF. The meningitis one, I know you, I didn't, it wasn't required, I don't think when I was in high school or in Madison public schools, but to go to UW, you had to get a meningitis shot because there were kids who died being in dorms yeah. from meningitis you had to get it there wasn't an option then and that's what dr westergaard talked about like he had a college classmate 
that died from it. So it is a thing. You know, the other thing that's happening is that vaccination rates are slipping across the state, right? No surprise. From the COVID pandemic, we were down to, I think it's like, you know, 88, 89% of kids getting immunized, which sounds like, ah, oh, that's most of them, right? Except that well, you need, you need like 95. That's a big enough number to start affecting immunity for all of us. So that's what's going on here. Well, I have all my shots and it's, I, and you know, I think vaccines are, man, have changed the course of medical history for the better, right? I mean, polio has gone. This is an interesting thing. So I was talking about it with some people and they're like, you know, the problem is people don't remember polio anymore. Like some generations, the generations who lived through polio are like, yeah, vaccines good saved lives well they lined up in droves to get that one the polio vaccine and maybe you know are, are we too much a victim of our own success like are vaccines so successful that as a society we take them for granted well just a little devil's advocate here i mean i understand that the government forcing you to inject something into your body I could see why people wouldn't like that. But I also think that we do live in a society. And if you choose not to do this, then there are, you know, consequences. Well, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. We still have these uh, these waivers, right? Like you, it is the case that you can opt out of immunizations. Like you can get your kid out by this uh, personal conviction waiver, right? Like you can file a form with the state that says, eh. I'm, I'm opting out for whatever reason, right? So there's kind of still this escape hatch, right? But there's yeah. still pushback happening. There's this whole lobby group that's trying to roll back these rules even when there is an exemption. So what up with that? And I'm glad that exemption is there. And I also wish that it, like only 1% of people used it. Yeah. Did you get the chicken pox vaccine? Nope. I don't think that was around when I was Me a kid. Neither. I got chicken pox. My mom was definitely one of those who was like, oh, hey, somebody's got chicken pox. Great. Go over and hang out with them. Let's have a party. Let's get all the kids together and get them, get them immune. So, yeah. In such partisan political times, though, this does feel like a far left and a far right thing. Somehow we'll loop right back around and form this <laughs> new anti-vax coalition. I wonder if it's a long-term effect of COVID being so political, right? Yeah. It's like... There was always a little bit of an anti-vax movement, right? But it just wasn't, didn't feel politically large enough to really affect changes other than, of course, the exemption. But now, as a result of the COVID pandemic, there is this small minority of people, but very vocal and active. And now they're, they're moving on. They're moving on. You know, COVID feels like it's winding down. They're closing the clinics. And yet these people are just picking a new target. Maybe they'll we'll try to find our way back to not being so polarized, but maybe not. Man, I always bring things down. I'm sorry. Molly, I like that you, you bring up important things. No, that is a disturbing trend. Let's take a quick break and hear from Bianca. So Molly, you wanted to talk about something that's been gaining steam with some Wisconsin politicians, and that's banning what now? They want to take away your TikTok. That's what I hear. Totally. Everyone's TikTok? Well, so our Senator Baldwin is the latest. You, you've probably been hearing rumblings around this, yeah. right? Like uh, Representative Gallagher's been talking about it. Um, Evers, Governor Evers, he banned the use of TikTok on all state 
own devices. The fear is, you know, this company is based in Beijing and it could be used by the Chinese government to spy on Americans. You know, it's on millions of devices all over the country. Do you use TikTok, Dylan? I I don't. Have you heard of Yik Yak? Yeah, I don't love that one because I'm not a student. Yeah, it's primarily used by UW students, but it's a good source of campus information. Uh, but it pegs it to like a certain geographic area. So like only like three or four miles away. Well, there was like a threat not too long ago. I think it was last month. Someone on Yik Yak basically implied that there was a mass shooting going to happen on campus, right? Like a serious threat. Wait, they implied that it what that it had happened or they were saying they were going to do it? It was implying some sort of that there may be some horrible shooting and I would stay away from there. But it, he was the one who seemed like he was the one doing it. And was he trying to get out of a test? Yik Yak, it's supposed to be anonymous. They bill it as this is an anonymous platform. And it's mostly just text. It's not really images. Is anything anonymous on the internet? Not well. That's what the Yik Yakers found out real quick is that this threat on Yik Yak quickly became they identified the person, they expelled them, they banned them from campus. But there was an interesting debate on Yik Yak about how the UW Police Department is probably monitoring everything that goes on on y- Yik Yak. Of and, course. Of course they are. Uh, yeah. And that's what the students, a lot of students were saying. We were like, yeah, let's make UW read all our silly messages, but you can't make a threat on this platform and expect to just get away with it. Didn't we learn from Snowden that like governments can use social media companies to spy on Americans, right? Like... <laughs> Like, we are doing this to ourselves. So we want to be able to spy on us, and we want to be able to spy on everybody else, but we don't want nobody spying on us. Well, I don't want the Chinese government spying on us or the American government spying on us. But why single out TikTok? It does seem interesting that they're just targeting TikTok. It seems like maybe we need to have some sort of sensible regulation of all social media so it doesn't spread misinformation or rot all our kids' brains out. Oh, man. So I read this really... Okay, this is what a nerd I am. Are you ready? You you already know what a nerd I am. <laughs> I don't have to tell you. But I read this really interesting journal article that was about misinformation this week. And this reminded me of it. And this guy who's a psychology professor, and he found... He studied misinformation. And he studied, could you, in fact, incentivize people to spot and identify misinformation by paying them, right? So he paid them like a dollar, right? To like spot misinformation. Turns out, yes, yes. With financial incentives, remarkably, people can actually identify misinformation in pretty equal numbers, regardless of your political affiliation. But I can also see on TikTok something like misinformation about vaccines, like we mentioned earlier, how that could go get out of hand Viral. real quick. Yeah. But a bum. Boom. Oh. Boom. All right. <laughs> hey, I wrote a cover story for Christmas this week about the mayor's race. Did you read it yet, Molly? It's a good story. Speaking of going viral. Don's <laughs> like another news, me. <laughs> <laughs> not it's about I, hey it's not really about me it's about the mayor's race hey yeah so isthmus is out and you've got a story in it it's about the mayoral race which fans of the pod hopefully heard our interviews bianca talked to mayor sacha and uh gloria reyes her opponent and so you 
went to the debate that was held, and you're, you're kind of bringing us up to date on the latest. I just went through the issues and kind of where the campaigns stand, and we still have a month left, and anything can happen. I think it, it does kind of give a good lay of the land. Yeah, and it'll be out all month, so folks have plenty of time to get caught up. It was a hard race to write about. Why? Because I think it's very much centered on the mayor pursuing a very ambitious agenda and getting a lot of things done on four years. And the whole race seems to center on her record for the last four years and whether people are want to give it a chance or believe in it or whether they think the, the mayor is just doing too much too soon and, and people are getting left out. Too much. That that doesn't feel like an argument you often hear against city government. Why are you doing so much? <laughs> and also, I think what was difficult is there's a lot of things that um, the mayor has put in place that we don't know if they're going to re- work for years. Can we petition to call the BRT the BART? Just like to beef with San Francisco. I don't know. See, I like BRT. I think it should stand for be right there. Mm, look at you. Look at you. Yeah, I've been thinking about this. <laughs> It could be brat. Brat? That kind of makes sense. <gasps> the brat. Bus rapid and transit. Do brats get you anywhere in a hurry? I don't know. <laughs> hey, I gotta go catch the brat. Ah, that should be the next city name. You know, you know me, and I am all about the city naming contest. I thought that snowplow naming contest, chef's kiss, that was so fun. So yeah, maybe we should have a naming system for our little fast buses. So I don't yeah. just have to call them little fast buses anymore. <laughs> they could have a real name. That's going to be a big change, so I can't wait to talk about that. And you know what else our listeners could not wait to talk with us about? Your freaking festival cams. We got an email from a listener, and I swear, if you put him up to this, hashtag Team Dylan. I do not know this person. Hashtag Team Dylan, where did this come from? So you were talking about how much you love those festival self-checkout cams last week. I don't like how you're framing this at all. (laughs) And listeners agreed with you. Like, we got emails. They were they were on Team Dylan, as they said. They think they are the best ones in town. So you were on to something, pal. Danny, who I do not know, but who I like a lot, <laughs> uh, he wrote, Since the first time I used the self-checkout, I always noticed how flattering my image is in the little TV camera setup. Don't get me wrong. I don't generally hate how I look in mirrors, etc. But those cameras and or that lighting still manage to do wonders for my self-esteem. Everyone needs the self-checkout cams and the in the corresponding screen that shows you at festival. There's something going on where everybody looks more attractive than they normally do. I don't even think it's accurate. I think it makes you prettier. Remember those skinny mirrors in Seinfeld? It's like that. I can't wait for this interview. <laughs> Dylan's next expose is sitting down with like the IT department at Festival Foods. I can't even believe they do it on purpose. Why would that be a reason anyone would shop at a grocery store? I just just throwing that out there. Heuristics like just get me back in the door. <laughs> Another email came in. Uh, granted, this one I, is a little bit more of a friend. Uh, the cameras in the Festival Self Checkout are fantastic. This myth, I would say, has been confirmed, not busted. Confirmation via success. Yeah, you and Bianca <laughs> demanding double-blind studies of this phenomenon. I don't think we have to take it that seriously. Oh, man, I miss Bianca. I hope she feels better soon. I'm sure she'll be back Monday bringing you more news from around the city. Right, Molly? Yeah. All right, Dylan, have a good weekend. You too. Molly Stentz, thank you so much 
We'll talk soon. Bye. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. We're produced by Molly Stentz and me, Dylan Brogan. Bianca Martin is our host. Music is by Carl Christensen. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell someone with all their shots about us? You can also get more news delivered right to your inbox from our friends at Madison Minutes. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Hashtag Team Dylan. Other news, me.